0: Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, now what happened? How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he? And what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Well, yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, a.k.a. John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok. And you're tuned in to our nationwide search. We are looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us virtually in the studio from Payson, Arizona, we've got Alyssa Marshall. She's with Owlish. Alyssa, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, John. I am very excited for today.
0: Absolutely. I'm excited too, because you have such a great origin story and you've got an awesome company that's doing some really cool stuff in your space. So I want to hop into all of that and unpack it. But first we have to start out with our icebreaker question, just like we do every single show. And today's icebreaker question is what was the first thing you thought about this morning?
1: Oh, (laughs) should I go to the gym or not?
0: (laughs) Man, that's one that gets me every morning for sure. Yep.
1: I, went yeah, I had that
0: I had that conversation with my CEO like 30 minutes after waking up because he texted me and was like, bring your shorts because we're at least sitting in the massage chairs of the gym today, but we need to work out, you know, so anything I'm, that can
1: get your feet into the gym works.
0: Agreed. Yeah. E- even if it is just going in there and walking on the treadmill for 10 minutes, something do something every single day. That's what Absolutely. we're trying to do here. I, uh, first thing I had this morning in my head pop in was, let me go back to sleep. That'd be a great thing. <laughs> Uh, it's been one of those just like really exhausting weeks for me. And uh, I've got this new app. I mean, it's not probably a new app, but it's new for me. It's called Rise and it is a sleep tracking app. So I use it in conjunction with my Apple Watch to like see how much I'm sleeping. And the big thing is how much sleep I owe myself my sleep debt.
1: Sleep and then
0: I was at 8.6 hours before yesterday.
1: Oh, no, not good.
0: <laughs> I don't sleep enough. I need to, to get really serious about going to bed on time
1: yeah. and
0: waking up at a good time. But it's kind of hard because, you know, full time, I'm still a firefighter. So uh, oh. that's where my sleep debt came from was on our second day. I got about two and a half hours of sleep that night. So, yeah, I got yeah. home, crashed for a big nap. Still had 8.6 hours, and then this morning I'm down to 1.4, so I'm doing a lot oh, better. Oh, look
1: at you, caught up. I mean, yeah, that being a firefighter, a lot of it is out of your control. You have to go when you have to go, so that must be hard.
0: Yeah, it, it can be, but then, yeah. you know, you have those nights where you sleep all night, and I've got no sleep debt, and I still get paid the same paycheck, so I can't That's-
1: complain. <laughs> Yeah, there you go.
0: Awesome. Well, we are here to talk all about you Um, I know that you have a great story of, you know, coming over here, making an opportunity for yourself in a a new country um, and then, you know, being able to retire at 31 years old, not that you stopped working, but being able to quit what you're doing to pursue another passion of yours. So I want to hear all about it. Just tell us your origin story.
1: Yeah, for sure. I spent most of my formative years, I should say, in South Korea. I did live in the U.S. when I was young, which is where my English accent came from. But I did all of my schooling in Korea. And while I was in school, I, I I made it to dental school, so that means I really did well in high school years. I was, yeah, I did I did very very good during high school years. And I had like one goal, which was to go to a school that will offer me stability, because I saw my mom struggling so much, and I was like, I do not want to live like that, because that looks really hard. My mom was a single mom raising three kids, and she she had businesses. She would go from one business to the other, but she would always work in the business. And so watching her do all these brick and mortars um, and work in the business and just really work way too much and not have time or mental energy for anything else... I always thought like, okay, for me not to do that, I have to be able to, yeah, hold a professional degree of some kind that will, um, that would give me stability. And so that is the sole reason I went into dental school, to be quite honest. In Korea, you go straight from high school. It's not, um, it's not a ma- the postgraduate program like it is in the U.S. Just so go straight out of high school. And so I was like 20 years old, 19 years old, not thinking, right? It, it was, I never paused to give my life a thought. What do I actually want to do? I never took it seriously. Like if you go to dental school and become a dentist, you'll probably be doing this one thing for like 40 years. Like this was not, I didn't, it didn't even feel like I had the luxury to give it that thought. Anyway, so I'm in school. And then during my senior year, My mom and my brother and sister moved to the US and I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be by myself at the other side of the world. And so I decided to come and I have to go back to school for two years. So the later part of the four year program in the US, um, you can do that and then get graduate basically and get a dental degree as a internationally trained dentist is basically what it is. So I did that and it took me two years to actually get in another two years in school. So six years in Korea, four years in the U.S. I was dedicated to dentistry for 10 years and never gave it. Yeah. It didn't occur to me that I could do anything other than that. The moment I got into dentistry that had become my identity senior year again in in dental school here in UCLA, I'm given the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And I'm like, oh, my God, this line of thinking was so foreign to me that I was like, wow, I want to do something else. I finally was able to acknowledge to myself that I will be miserable for the rest of my life if I stay on this career track. And it it felt like a blueprint. I remember I told my then uh, boyfriend, now husband, that Like I find like this looks like the Bible to me is what I told him. I used the word Bible. I wasn't even a book reader. It was just so very random that I was listening to a book. That was the first nonfiction book I have ever listened to or read. And my world is turned upside down and uh, my husband and I both get interested. And so, yeah, that's how we got onto this track. And what led me to retire as doing dentistry was helping other internationally trained dentists get into programs just like I did. And that was so successful that after six months of practicing, I was able to quit my corporate dental gig. So I was like, okay, see you bye. Well, it wasn't like everything was totally figured out, but the promise seemed there. I was able to pre-sell an online course enough so that you know, it would sustain us for a while. Like this kind of thing had happened, and I was like, okay, something's here. I don't think I need to continue this job at the moment. Worst comes worse, I just go back and find another job. You know, like it's not that bad. Like I can, I can do that. And so I quit and I started uh, running the business of doing online courses and some mentoring for internationally trained dentists. Uh, and we were doing that for a few years. Or as the business stuff is actually continuing to go. it like the courses are still for purchase today and it's still doing pretty well. But as a, I am not a technical person. Like I cannot, I do not like to, let's say, figure out WordPress backend. Figuring out how tech works for me, it's just, it is not in my blood. I cannot, I don't like it. And so while I was running this business, trying to figure out how to Make the online course work. I mean, our first online course started 2013, so this was a long time ago. There were no easy, you know, programs like we do have today. Yeah, that wasn't AI a thing wasn't back big. then. <laughs> yeah. So as. And, you, you know, like when you have courses and you have like websites, every few years they need to be redone. They need to be moved. The design needs to be updated. And a rehaul project is bound to happen every time, not just for a rehaul project, but even if I wanted to add a little lesson to the course. Because they, I had so many courses, right? And our website was on WordPress. And the WordPress backend becomes disastrous real fast. I think it is... Figure outable for even a non technical person like me. If you have one course, maybe two courses. Like, it it's it's really messy and chaotic. But you could deal. But once you having start having more than that, it was just just the idea, the thought of having to log in to figure something out was so stressful for me. I didn't want to do it, and so it would either become like I had to ask my husband or a, a developer that was working with me to make what seemed like to me the smallest of changes. And it just felt so disempowering to me. I'm an independent person. And to be like, what it felt like was, you know, a five-year-old asking to get a cup of milk. You know, like you have to ask that because you can't, let's say, reach it in the fridge or whatever. And that it, it just kind of comes with that territory. But like, I, I felt like I had to ask for a cup of milk. Like I just wanted to change this little thing. And instead of me going like, okay, let me take care of it. I'd be like, Hey, can you do this? And then to be like, okay, going back and forth about it, or if it was my husband helping me, it goes to the bottom of his to do list, not the top of his to do list, because he has his own stuff going on. And then I just felt like I it just I didn't like that feeling of like, oh, I cannot do what I need to do by myself. And so my husband and I talked for a lot, long time like, how can we make this so that it works? Better. And we tried different platforms, tried all the things, but our business needs were, you know, evolved enough. It wasn't. It had to go beyond just having an online course. We had a lot of other bells and whistles going on, and so we couldn't use any of the other platforms that were made to be easy for the non-technical person. We would have to like cut off so much of our revenue to to make that happen. And that's how we conceived of the idea of making our own platform, which. Became owlish. And what that does is, you know, for the non-technical person, you can just add a line of code. So you'll take care of the online courses on our site, and then you'll add code to your website to make it show up there. But everything is organized. It's nothing is chaotic. It's very simple and it looks good, even if you don't have a developer. And that's how I got to where I am now, which is a SaaS co-founder, which still feels really weird. Like I'm a dentist by training, and now I'm like, I have a software business. So and you but hate tech, yeah, it's a crazy. Which is ride. the funny
0: part. Like you hate the back end and the technical side and you're I a know. SaaS company owner that is, you know, doing all of this. And for our listeners, you know, SaaS, of course, is uh, software as a service. So uh, I know that was something when I jumped into the marketing game and I hear SaaS, I'm like, Oh yeah, I've got a daughter that's got plenty of it, you know. And then it's like <laughs> oh, no, 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 this, is, this is actually something, you know. Um, I, yeah, I love software that, as though. a
1: service. Yeah. Just coming out
0: of, out of nowhere and hitting you upside the head and saying, Oh, Hey, by the way, everything you've done for the past decade, drop it. It's time for you to go this way. I love that.
1: That's exactly what it was. And, uh, but I, I ran over there when I realized I could do that. It was no hesitation. You know, like when you, there's a really big decision to make, but in your gut, you just know it's right. And you feel like you have to take longer to make this decision. Like you can't make this big decision so fast. But you just know that 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 this decision was that for me as I was listening to the four hour working book. And I was, honestly, I'm really grateful for the book, but he did make it sound a lot easier than it actually is. <laughs> In the book, at least that's what I have to say about it. Hindsight. But I am grateful that I didn't know how many twists and turns and ups and downs and, you know, like starting from scratch again, this would all take. I had no idea. And I'm glad I didn't know, because if I did know, I don't know if I would have done it.
0: That's what I was going to say. But It's probably a blessing.
1: Yes, it really is.
0: So you did not immigrate here. You were born here in America.
1: No, I actually did immigrate here. So I okay. was born in Korea. I was back and forth. Like when I was two years old, that's when my family moved to Minnesota. And I was there till I was 10. And then from 10 to 27, I was in Korea.
0: Okay. So w- was your uh, family just trying to kind of decide like if they were going to move here or what was the reason for the back and forth?
1: So, okay. The First reason that we moved here initially was because my dad uh, was going to graduate studies in University of Minnesota. So that's what initially brought us here. And then we moved back. Well, the relationship at that point had fallen apart and it wasn't any. So anyway, and we did not think that we would be coming back. But my brother and sister, my little siblings were born here in the U.S. And. Korea, if you know anything about the education system of South Korea, it's a—it's called, like, people call it the pressure cooker system, where you really, like, you better study or you must be exceptional at something else or else you're kind of doomed kind of thing. And my little brother was the catalyst to us all moving here because he was nine years younger than me. He so was quite a bit younger than me, but studying was just not his thing. And my mom was very worried about his future and basically her reasoning was well he's a citizen and if you're going to be a blue-collar worker it is much better to do so in the US than in in Korea like you can make a decent living being a blue-collar worker and like you know there's a lot of like can you like it's not like how it used to be like 20 years ago right but still I do think compared to South Korea you still can make a better living here and this you know like you're taken better in society Korea's still a little bit more traditional. And there's a lot of like elitism kind of thing going on. And so, yeah, my brother was in high school or middle school going to high school. And that's when my mom was like, this is not going to work for him. We got to move. And so the initial plan was for just them two to go. And then my sister was like, well, I'm going to (laughs) go. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm going (laughs) to go. So that's how we all ended up here.
0: Yeah, the bus is kind of rolling already, and then you're like, "Oh, well, let me run after it," you know. Yes, <laughs> yes, there.
1: exactly. I,
0: I love hearing stories like that because I think we get kind of spoiled, you know, um, with what we have in in whatever country. You know, I mean, wherever you come from, you kind of get used to that, and that becomes your standard. And I think in America, yeah. we forget sometimes how great and how much we still are a land of opportunity. And it's not to say that to be. Because I'm somebody who, man, I love other cultures. One of my favorite things about traveling is getting off the beaten path. And it's like, I don't want to go on that, you know, bus tour just to this one place and then go do something touristy, get back on and then, you know, go back to the uh, resort or go back to the cruise ship or whatever it is like. I'm the guy that's like, no, 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 take me to a local shop in town and let me eat some real food and let me have, you know, an opportunity to buy something that was made locally or like, I want to do those things that you can't do elsewhere, because I know that, especially in America, it's easy for us to become kind of ignorant to the other cultures. So I love to learn about other cultures and stuff like that. But I know that we still have it so good here that I think we're so spoiled that we forget that we have it good and we start griping about little things. And you know, I something cannot was- agree
1: with you more. So many things that uh, I mean, and I come from South Korea, which is also a pretty privileged country. Sure, it's it wasn't when my mom was young, but it developed so fast. And so there's a very interesting juxtaposition there, where culturally there's a still a lot of very um, uh, the, the things stayed quite the same versus like what you see you know, the, the heights of buildings and all the shopping or whatever. And, you know, like those kinds of things are are extremely modern. And I was fortunate never to really have to, like, I always had plumbing. You know what I mean? Like, I right. never really was in a very uh, hard situation uh, growing up. So I did grow up privileged in a privileged way, even though, you know, my mom really had to work <laughs> Work for it, which which she did. But I'm with you in that when I when I come, and because I have experience living as an adult in both cultures, and also being a kid in both cultures, and I, you know, have conversations and and just see what the, what what, what people are talking about, and it's like, oh, you think that's hard here? Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's actually really nice here. (laughs) I've been to a lot of other, before we had kids, my husband and I, we, uh, we traveled quite a bit kind of in the way you're saying, but we never really liked to like say travel, travel in a way where we never like hit a place and like, but, you know see a city for 2 days and then go on to the next we were more like let's settle down here for 6 months or 3 months 3 months 6
0: months going kind to of kind think like a digital nomad type thing
1: yeah we did that for a while we were we were kind of digital nomads um and we we did that in europe and in thailand and you know, we we were kind of out and about for, for a while. And uh, and uh, yeah, like the there's such a big difference in what you would experience, how you would experience a culture if you just get off a bus. I did that once, uh, the bus tour kind of thing. It was our graduation uh, class, the entire graduating class from our, my Korean dental school. We went to Thailand and uh, it was like, it was my first time doing it. And I was like, what? I'm going to be in the bus and they're going to take me to a store. That I know you're taking me to the store because if I buy something, I'm gonna get kicked back. And then you're gonna take me to a restaurant, which I know there's an arrangement, you know, and it's not it's not the real places you wanna experience, but it's um those kind of, I don't know, manufactured easy. It's still nice, but but easy and, and not at all in touch with the the local culture.
0: Yeah. I don't hate on any kind of traveling because it's it's fun That's and it's true. a privilege. But- yes. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. It's it's nice to just see the real side of things, you know, and get away from um, the touristy side of things and the presentation and all that stuff. And I mean, yeah. for me, I'm a big guy. I try to work out and, you know, stay in, in shape as much as I can, but I like to eat. And that's my favorite part about traveling is just trying the different foods and seeing what each culture does differently. And I enjoy it a lot.
1: Same, same.
0: All right. Well, I know, uh, you know, we kind of got off on that little personal path there, but there's just, like I said, I was excited about your story from the beginning, just because of those unique perspectives and all the things that you've done that are so unlike, you know, some other people, I mean, everyone has a different journey into their entrepreneurship, but we'll kind of move into now. Owlish is, uh, you know, I'm sure transformed is kind of what we talked about from you having your own class to all of a sudden being able to help others make their courses and put these things on in an easy manner. So who is your ideal client? Like who I know, obviously anyone who's not really wanting to get into the tech side, but you know, who's finding success being able to build these courses online.
1: Yeah. So our best customers have been people that, let's say, have a website already on, let's say, a Wix or a Shopify or Squarespace, some platform that helps you easily make a website. And their business has come to a point where they're like, I should have a course or more courses. And they're looking to figure out how can I do that? But I just want to put the course on my site I don't want to have to manage a secondary site. I just want it here. That's our perfect customer. The person that is not tech savvy enough that they would, let's say, make a custom HTML work, you know, work for like website or like even WordPress. But just, I mean, we work with WordPress too, but I think the people that are most appreciative of the service that we do provide is is that group of people because when you have let's say a website on webflow or wix there really isn't a way to put up an online course on your own website unless you're going to link things hyperlink you know like go from one lesson to the next and hyperlink it which by the way when i was first starting out in the online course uh being a creator i thought that was fine and then i quickly learned that that is not fine. It's a recipe for disaster. You cannot keep up. And uh, you really need a learning management platform or software of some kind where you can... Uh, Get a good visual of, let's say, your outline and drag and drop. And even if you change, let's say, the lesson sequence, your course would still be stringed together correctly without you having to go because you will drop that ball. You will, (laughs) especially if you have more than one course, like because there's like an outline area. And then, you know, like to hyperlink everything together is not what you want to do. And so, yeah, those are the people that we've been able to help the most. And it's been really fun watching people add that arm of their business and do, do well. It's been fun.
0: You know, as a a person that's on the marketing side of this and the website side of this, I mean, I agree with so much of that. Like the first thing that popped into my head was when you said, you know, we can link this out to another platform was you're sending traffic away from your exactly. website. And I'm like, exactly. no, <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do that. You know? And it brings to mind like I'm not trying to make this a sales pitch for uh, yeah, Beefy, no. <laughs> but anybody who is looking for marketing help or looking for website help, it's so important to have that kind of stuff because even though a, a company like Owlish can make this so easy, it is still a benefit to have somebody that can kind of handle that stuff for you.
1: And oh, it, yeah. um,
0: It just takes away that stress and make sure that it's done properly. And you're right. Like I see people come in and they're like, well, I have this Wix site. So it's, it looks pretty good and nothing against Wix, man. I'm not complaining. You know, I used Weebly whenever I started out and was building my own template site, but it's like, those are going to limit you in so many ways. And this is one of those ways where with Owlish being able to on the back end just link it with your WordPress site, keep people there. And most importantly, keeping it looking professional you know, that's the big important piece. And it's like, it's, it can be so easy for those who want to do it themselves. And I love people who can do that because I was definitely one of those as an entrepreneur early in my uh, career as well, but it's nice to have somebody that can handle it for you and then just make that whole process easier.
1: Yeah. Whatever you can do so that you can focus on what you do the best and what you really want to do, which usually when I talk to creators, it's teaching and developing courses and it's this, it's not, nobody ever says, yeah, I love, you know, pouring over my website and trying to figure out how to make this experience a little better. That is not why you got into, you know, entrepreneurism at all. And whatever you tools or people or companies you can utilize to make that process, better for you. Go for it.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, one of the big things you talked about was how every company your mom had, she had to work in. Yes. You know, And I know that one of the, the first episodes that you heard of this show was the power up episode. And that's everything mm-hmm. we talked about was not having to work for yourself and in your company, or I should say not having to work for your company. You know, it's get to the things you're passionate about. If you enjoy teaching, you don't want to build the course. You don't want to make the website and do the sign up process and collect the payments. And you want to have somebody do that and you want to teach.
1: Exactly. And it, it could take, you know, like that all takes some capital usually. And um, I, I'm a big fan of the no code tools because of the empowerment it gives, because it, it can be an investment, certainly. But stick through that time. And then when your business grows, it's important to know that now is a time to start hiring, <laughs> so that you can exponentially grow more. I do see people; I feel like they they miss kind of that time, and they work in the business for much longer than they needed to or should have. And if you look at the overall journey, that can actually stunt the growth because you're you're not working in the your zone of genius in those times where you're trying to figure out why you're um mailchimp integration is not working whatever that might be
0: yeah plus you're limited you know yes. you can only do so much and that's one of the big things that we kind of had go on here was it, he was like i need to get someone in that can help handle the sales process because if i don't i'm only going to make what i'm making now if i want to grow i need more people to do it and so we've been constantly trying to make processes faster and then take things off of the ceo's plate So he can be a CEO
1: and let his salesman
0: be the salesman, let his video producer be the producer, let his social media manager be the social media manager, and he doesn't have to worry about doing all of those things.
1: Yep, that's exactly it. You need a village. You can't do it yourself.
0: That's not to talk bad about the guy or girl that's out there bootstrapping right now and making it work because you have to start there. And I love it. And that's what I love about Owlish is that it seems to take all of that expertise that you need. And it kind of reminds me, I don't know. There may be listeners too young listening to remember MySpace, but it reminds me of the MySpace days because what you said where you can go to this website, you can build this thing, you copy the code and then you paste the code over into your uh, account. And that was exactly what we were all doing on MySpace. It was early coding days, just getting all that stuff ready and then posting it over there with our music and our background and our pictures and colors and everything.
1: That's exactly right. I was not actually in the US when MySpace was a big hit. So I never personally had a MySpace account. But yeah, that's exactly it. That's so funny. That's that's exactly how it works. And so you don't have to, let's say, build a whole new website or even manage a secondary subdomain and send traffic off of your site to get your users to another website, yet another website, so that they can access access your course is not a very good user experience and not good for your let's say SEO and all the other things. Just like if you can keep everything under one umbrella, that that is that is that's that's the best practice. That's that's really good. That that will work in your favor
0: long term. Yeah, I mean the whole point is to with SEO and everything attract someone to your website. And then once they get there, you want to keep them there. And we use funnels to do that. And we want to put them in that proper funnel so that all of a sudden they get to whatever the end goal is. It's buying this webinar, buying this course, um, taking a free course so that you get their email address. And then now you can sell to them after that course is done. All of these things. So what do you think is the best way to use courses to kind of fuel your business?
1: Oh my gosh, John, I really like that you said that because using a free course to grab email addresses. Okay. I know email marketing sometimes gets thrown under the bus these days and I cannot disagree more. It is still the most powerful method of, okay, maybe it's not as powerful as it was 10 years ago, only because everybody's inundated with so many emails. But man, if you grow your audience and to keep them on Instagram or Facebook, you are at such a mercy. You're building your castle on sand and it, everything can be taken away from you overnight you have to grab their email address and maintain a way you can contact them without the mercy of facebook or instagram or whatever it is and so for that nothing still nothing beats email and to get people somebody to give them to give you their email address you need to give them something in return right and the just A few years ago, even the whole idea of an opt-in gift was a little more novel and like a little simple PDF with a checklist or whatever would have done. But nowadays, if you try to get somebody's email address with a checklist, it's like, okay, you might get some emails, but you would have gotten a lot more if the exchange you were offering was more substantial. And plus, what you really want from this exchange is more than just an email. You want to earn their trust throughout this process. And just think about if you were going to offer um, I don't know, a, a workout guide checklist versus like um a short, a very short, but still an online course that has a video and sees you they shows you're talking. The amount of rapport that is built and trust that is built between the audience and you, you cannot compare that. We we all know what happens with downloadables. You download it because it sounds fine. And then do you open it or how, how, like, how much do you actually utilize it? You just don't, we all are busy and like a little thing of PDF, it just leaves our mind. It doesn't it's, it's not substantial enough to take up our brain space versus if it's a free course and it's a video, it is a lot more engaging and you just feel like you're kind of with that person. In, in a more intimate way. And so you feel this intimacy towards the person teaching. And that is exactly what you want. You're earning their trust. And so it's not just you, that you'll get more email addresses with, let's say, doing a, giving a, giving away a freebie online course, but it is also um, you're building a, a better fan base, if you will, a stronger fan base. And if you like the best way to use it to fuel your business I think really depends on which stage your business is in if your business is pretty early and you do not yet have a big following base that means that when you're thinking about your audience and thinking about let's say a course topic you're making assumptions you're you're kind of guessing what you think they would want but you have to realize that that is just your best guess. And that is not what they are telling you. Now my, I really like to tell people to do two things. If they have a big enough size of an audience where they can ask them, just email. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. Hey, I have like these three course topics. I'm thinking about making an online course for you. I have these three topics in mind. Which one would you be interested in learning from me? That email, if you get the answers back, That's gold. Or just go through your previous blogs or social media posts and see where you got engagement. Which topics, when you talked about them, did your audience respond to? And that is a good place to start your exploration in terms of what it's going to be. But if you haven't done this before, like making a big course takes months of work, and you certainly do not want to miss the ball on the topic of that one. So you have to make sure that you do your due diligence enough and uh, so that you don't waste all that time. So I usually recommend just starting out with little courses, mini courses. You can give them out for free or you can charge them a little bit for it. But start with a, a few mini courses, not just one. Do build a mini course, get it out there, see how they respond and then. You know, they will often show you what the next topic should be. Your audience will guide you, what, where, what they want to hear from you through their emails and your, their comments, whatever. And you, you follow that breadcrumb. And then at a certain point, you'll be like, oh, I'm ready for a masterclass. I found my topic. This is my thing. And now you're ready to actually build out a course that will take, you know, a few months to build because it is a lot of uh, sweat and tears and effort to get that uh, masterclass out the door. So start small. Uh, Mini course should really not take more than let's say I like to say if you're sitting down at a coffee shop with somebody and teaching this in person, an hour approximately in an hour you should be able to get everything downloaded to the other person that's the extent of it so don't try to make it too big promise something very small and specific that's your mini course and just start there because anything anything beyond you're making too many guesses i'll
0: tell you the the biggest frustration i have with the downloadables and pdf type stuff and why i often won't give my email address for that is because it's disappointing when i get it you know that's also it's so true It's like, hey, download this ebook or download this PDF that has, you know, this how to quick how to guide. And then you get it and it's like, did they put any effort into this or did they just write a bunch of words down that are kind of fluff and meaningless? And now I'm giving my email address for this or paying for this so that they can have the opportunity to sell to me more. And it's I a can't stand that. It's a bad taste that. in
1: your mouth. It's a, you started that relationship out on the wrong foot and you will never trust that person again.
0: Right. Like, but why would it, you? If they can get you a quality course, you know, even if, like you said, it's not truly a a huge lesson plan or anything. It's a small one hour chat that you're doing on, you know. Zoom or however you're recording and kind of putting this onto this platform for them, it feels more personal because they see you, they hear you, all of those things. And I love that idea. So is that something where I need to be able to record elsewhere? Or do you include all of that with Owlish right there on the website?
1: Owlish right now, you will have to upload a video you have. So you can either upload your video or you can, let's say if you have it on other platforms, you can just drop the link to that as well. But no, we currently do not do the whole recording thing. But that's actually an interesting point. Hmm.
0: (laughs) Hey, you know what? I can can quit my full-time job and then just come over here and be a consultant for Owlish and work (laughs) full-time for Beefy. Like, let's make it happen. No, but so do you have templates available or am I building from scratch? How does it look when I log in?
1: So, okay. When you first log into the back end or your front end for the creator is it, it, you'll be given a dashboard, but the, I try to make the, the next step action steps very clear because I'm a non-technical person and logging into a new piece of software is always jarring for me. There's this like level of like, I don't, I don't know, just like this, I'm 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 a little tense when I log in first. And I wanted to make it so that you can do your desired action, which for a course platform like ours would be to mess around with the course platform, the the area where you would actually put your course together uh, the fastest. So it's like screaming at you. Go build your first course, and when you go there, it's you'll first be just given an outline page where you can drag and drop and make modules and lessons, and then you can you can drag them around. It's it's pretty simple, and then you can click in to actually add content to those. So whether it be uh, video based with text or whatever it is, like you just put up your lesson there and then you click back and you're back at your um, outline page. So you just go back and forth like that. And uh, yeah, we, we really try to make it like obviously clear and as simple as possible for the creator to create their course. And then second, connect that to their website, because those are the two main actions that are needed. How you can get those two things done, we're, you're done. And if you are stuck anywhere, we are so easy to reach. Just shoot us an email and those emails come to me. So I will be absolutely happy to help you uh, help you out, figure wherever it is that you're stuck.
0: What I love about the outline feature on that, too, is that you don't have to be, you know, because I know somebody out there right now is just thinking like, I don't know how to be a teacher. I don't know how to put a class together. I don't know what to do. You don't have to know. Um, First of all, if you haven't heard of ChatGPT, Google search that for a second. Um, You can have someone either write that outline for you. You can come up with an outline through an AI process. You can purchase, I'm sure, templates. You could probably find free outlines and templates for classes. Where it's going to be important for you is to go in and put the knowledge behind it. Yes. So it's like if you can have something tell you, hey, these are the important things to talk about when you're teaching, for instance, like a social media marketing course, you want to make sure you hit all of these points. And then you can just go in and use this builder and say, okay, here's my outline, everything I need to talk about. And then when it comes down to it, just kind of fill in the blank and say, okay, well, it said I needed to talk about this next. This is everything I know about it, you know, and just kind of put that, I say to paper, but digitally, you know, put that to your website
1: exactly and you know as you teach it and this certainly happened to me without with my many online courses you just put it out first and then as you teach and interact with your students you get ideas for improvement and then you just make those changes if you are inspired to do so and it's it's a process of iteration the masterpiece is not going to just happen overnight and i think it's important to embrace that and just be like okay i'm gonna start small And we're just going to get this out there and get feedback from our students in terms of what was challenging for them. You know, they will ask you questions if they get stuck somewhere with the content you've presented. They will ask you and then that will show you, oh, that was a hole in my course. Let me just go add that. Not a big deal at all. Very easy.
0: Yeah. The thing about entrepreneurship as a whole is it's all about changing and keeping up with um, new trends, new things that are happening fixing things that you launched that just weren't that great. I mean, if you don't believe in that, go back to season one, episode one, when it was called The Beef Podcast and listen to my very first uh, three episodes that I launched. Take a listen to that and then come back and listen to this episode that's playing right now and tell me there's not a difference. (laughs) It was called The Beef. That's right. Yeah. Before it was Small Business Origins, it was The Beef Podcast. You
1: know, it's actually catchy in its own right, I must say.
0: So... I, Except
1: that it's very unclear what the topic is about. But 100%. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I had so much heartburn over having to change the name, but that is exactly why we did it, was because people were like, the beef. So, are we talking about USDA like prime choice <laughs> yeah. beef? Are we talking about beef jerky? Like, what do y'all do? You know? And it was like, beefy marketing, the beef podcast. I always kind of coined it as like, we're getting down to the meat and potatoes of your business and wow. what you're doing, right? It's the beef. Um, but doesn't really play well when it comes to podcasting, SEO, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, so that's one of the many changes we made was new branding, new intro, new outro, new name. And then on top of that, it's just being able to change my show flow up a little bit. And it's like those little iteration changes that just make for a better show in the end. It's the same for your courses, you know, when you're sitting there spending all your time up late, writing all this material in and videoing all of this stuff, you're going to find out whenever you go back and listen to it or, or read it again, you're going to go, wow, I don't know why I let that go. I don't know why I put that in there, but you can make those changes. So it sounds pretty quick and easy, right? So I would just go oh, yeah. to my dashboard, change the part I want to change, re-highlight that code, delete that code, and then kind of just you no, know, copy actually, it. No, actually,
1: you don't even have to change the code. Oh, so okay. if you so, make so it's a directing change- you. Yeah. Yeah. If you publish a change, then because whatever the code is linked to that course itself. So if you change the course, you don't have to do anything. That change is automatically reflected on your course. That is so easy. Yeah. Oh my God. So you're just
0: copying the code one time to direct it to where it needs to pull that material from.
1: That's it. Mm -hmm.
0: That's killer. Thank you. It's too easy. It's too easy. I love it.
1: <laughs> Should it be complicated a little bit?
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I love it. I, I think it's great. Um, Thank
1: you.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. So, I mean, that's really, I think I have a, a pretty clear understanding of it. And I think that it is a tool that people could use uh, to help their businesses. But do you think that there's a, a hybrid there too? Like, have you ever thought about if I was to create a course, put it on my website And then maybe if I'm doing an in-person training, Mm
1: -hmm. I can kind
0: of play that course as if I'm a student, but just go through it and maybe throw in some of the actual, I'm going to speak on this kind of like a PowerPoint presentation that's a little more interactive, if you will. So I'm just thinking in my head, like, I just always have like these, these weird ways I could use it. Like, for instance, in Texas, the license Mm -hmm. to carry class has to be taught in person. So if you want to Mm -hmm. carry a firearm in Texas, you have to go to this in-person class. Um, Well minus that now there are online providers for that, but they're very few. The regular instructor like I was, you had to kind of teach your class in person. But I'm like, if I could throw this on my website and have that available so that the student is kind of running through it while I'm there in person and able to add to it directly, I feel like that would be a really cool little add on for the
1: You know, that the, uh, is, course. yeah, and honestly, like that doesn't, require much i mean okay when i first started out with our courses before we launched an online course i taught live and there was one year i taught live two years um the second year when we taught live we had the online course available and what we did was we actually had tablets for all of the students and i had them watch it (laughs) <laughs> yeah. there and then while they were doing their work and so that is a great idea and anybody that like repeats themselves a lot like you can just like have have tablets out and be like okay like here's the link like go watch it and um and then if there are parts of it where demonstration m- more like you want to show them in person since they're there like you can add that part on but i think that is a great idea. And, um, I don't think any more technical, like, it's just an online course.
0: This is kind of how you're handling it, I guess. Really? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it's how just you actually, Cause I was just thinking about that when I was teaching these classes, it's so important, you know, by law, your class needs to include this material mm-hmm. kind of in the same exact way, every single course you teach. And I'm like, well, then it'd be easier if they could take this material online and then we could have kind of like a, a demonstration day where we're actually talking about, you know, the skills or didactic portion of it. Absolutely. And, um, so I was just like, man, if you could streamline that process where every single class is going to be the same, even though we're in person, everything I say that needs to be said is going to be said on that website
1: yeah, and they're going to be able to see the, that live like, together. Yeah. And you can have them come to watch that online course portion, or if you want to have them watch it at home, you can see, verify like how much of the video they watched. And so, you know, like before you allow them to come on to the demonstration part of the class, you can just verify that they actually watched the whole thing and let's say pass the quizzes to demonstrate their knowledge and understanding of that topic and then there you go. You don't have to repeat yourself as much.
0: Do you think Owlish is, I mean, I guess there's more of a question like I'm asking is, um, mm-hmm. Owl-ish more for someone who's looking for just that kind of free introductory mini course, or is it for someone who is looking for something that's kind of a rigorous training process or both?
1: It's both. We certainly have people that use it for both. So, um, cause I really like to look at our backend, which is the backend for me to see how our creators are utilizing it because that's where I get the insight on how, what to do better. We see people with lots of courses and sometimes like a course material. Like if I add up all the video hours, it's like 40, 50 hours. And we have people that have like one course that's like two hours long in total, but they're still selling that course. And so it really, you know, it can, it can stretch to what you need it to be, because even if, when it's like a bigger content course, the, as the course provider, our technology doesn't really need to change. You know, we just take in the video and you can upload the PDF and, you know, it, it's, it's just that. And then everything else is, you, you use it as much or as little as you'd like.
0: Yeah, I think that's just kind of important to anybody who's out there wanting to be an entrepreneur to know too, is um, you can sell vastly different things to people for very different pricing. You know, so we could teach a social media course here that is 20 hours in length and has all of these great things and we can sell it for twenty five hundred bucks. And then there's some guy out there that's got, you know, Zoom that he records for two hours and gives it to somebody and can sell that same thing for twenty five hundred bucks. It's all about what you're doing on the front end to attract that customer and get them to gain your trust.
1: Yes, that's totally right, oh my gosh, you just hit it and uh yeah, but you want to get to know exactly what your audience would pay you that twenty five hundred dollars for, which is where the little the littler courses can help you reach that topic so that you don't miss that mark.
0: Well, I mean, I think I got all my questions answered. I don't know if there's anything else you want to share, any elevator pitch you want to give out there. I know one big thing is, please, where can we connect with you online? Where can we find Owlish? Do you have any type of offers as far as, you know, can I can I trial it a little bit, try it out, yes. see if I like it before I buy? Just give me all that information.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking, oh, I didn't talk to John about this before we hit record. Um, I would love to give your uh, listeners, a couple of months to try out Owlish if you are interested in, you know, an online course, perhaps. And to get that, just head on over to owlish.com for slash small business origins. All one word, no underscores, no nothing, just small business origins, straight up. And Owlish is spelled with two Ws, so that's O W W L I S H. Dot com personally me myself i am a hermit online i don't really have all my media presence whatsoever for my my myself but as i said i am the person be- behind the um alish's email inbox and if you have any questions even if it's just personally for me i'd love to hear it and you could just send it in you know if you go to our website you could just use our contact form and that comes to me and so you could just be like hey Alyssa, i heard you're here and uh You know, whatever you have to say or want to share, I'm all ears.
0: No, I love giving a good offer out there for people and especially something like that, man. It's like, try it, fall in love with it, and then you're going to want to pay for it because you're not going to want to let it go when that trial ends. Exactly. Well, users and uh, well, users, listeners, watchers, videos, viewers, whatever you want to call yourselves, we are going to have all of that information linked in our show notes below. So, all you have to do is check out the podcast anywhere you're listening right now, click show notes or see more, go in there and look through all that stuff. We're going to have every way that you can contact Owlish, everywhere you can follow them, learn from them. And of course, most importantly, We're going to have the link to that special offer that you heard right here on small business origin. So please, even if you don't think that a course is something you would ever want to add to your business, go check it out and see, just try it out. See if it works for you. I think two months is plenty of time for you to be able to implement something and check out how it works and know that you're going to want to buy it whenever you're done. But as always, a list. Sorry, I'm going to edit that part out. As always, Alyssa, thank you for being on the show and sharing all of your information with us today and everything about the company and all that you have done in your life. We really appreciate it.
1: The pleasure was mine, John. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Absolutely. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. That's been another week for us. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.